come, all ye faithful. Let's stand. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, God, we come before you, and we really, really, truly want it to be our aim, our goal, our passion to adore you and you alone today, Lord. We know there's lots of things we're going to be doing today, and festivities, and feasts, and opening gifts, and um, visiting, and maybe even watching a football game or two, but uh, all these things we could be doing, Lord, and there's one, and there's one and only that reigns supreme and that is to give you the worship and adoration you deserve. Lord, help us to do that today. And it's in Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. All right. Um, would like to let everybody know about the connection card. So if you're visiting with us maybe for the first or second time, uh, we would love to know, uh, especially if you're local. Now, if you're visiting with us from Florida, why? No, especially if you're local, uh, we would love you to, uh, to, uh, to, to know who you are so we can minister to you. And there's also prayer cards in there in the pew back in front of you. So please, uh, please do that. Okay, so as we continue to worship today, uh, our, our text and, and emails have just blown up this week. So many of you have, have wanted our pastor to recreate his eight-year-old Blue Christmas. <laughs> And that's not happening. So <laughs> you heard about that last week, right? So no, that's not going to happen. Uh, 
Hey, we are going to sing, though, a great, another great Christmas carol. This Christmas carol, uh, two things I want to say about it. Hark the Herald Angels. Uh, did you, did you, were you with us uh, last week in, in the Lord's Supper, and, and you, you were reading uh, all the phrases of Hark the Herald Angels sing and where those came from in the Scripture? And by the way, thank you for Debbie for putting that together. Uh, and then uh, John MacArthur calls this Christmas carol, Hark the Herald, the most important doctrinal theological Christmas carol ever written. It is so chock full. So as we sing today, don't just go, oh, I know this one and just breeze through it. Look at every phrase and think about where does that come in Scripture? What truth is that trying to, to express to me? Let's sing it together. Hark the Herald Angels. Probably the most important thing we can do today is give attention to what God's Word itself says about the birth of Jesus. So I've asked the praise team to read this Christmas narrative, and Athena, our violinist, will be playing as they read. You read along silently to the Christmas story as they read for us. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. 
when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from, from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's just bow and give the Lord thanks for what we've read.
stand and sing it. Oh, this, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds, God, and angels see. Age days to bring him God, the painless Son of Mary. Nails fish shall pierce him the cross he bore for me undo. Hail, hail the Word made flesh, the famous Son of Mary. Lord God, as we give our tithes and offerings today, we are overwhelmed at the love that it took to say, son, I want you to leave heaven and go down to that earth that needs my salvation. Watched him die on a cross. Turned your back because all of the world's sin was upon him. We will never understand the love that took. But we can say thank you, and we can worship you. And so, Lord, we thank you today, and we worship you in spirit and in truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite uh, Zach and Emily and their family to come and share with us our final Advent reading, The Christ Candle. It's nap time, so uh, bear with us. <laughs> All right. So this Advent season, we have lit the candle of deity, the candle of humanity, the candle of good news, and today we light the center, white candle, the Christ candle. This candle is white in color because Jesus was without sin. And when we accept his payment for our sins, we are justified by faith in Christ. Yeah. Today we celebrate that Jesus Christ was born to live a perfect life, die for our sins on the cross, be buried in a tomb, and then be resurrected on the third day. He ascended into heaven, and one day soon he's coming back again. Today we celebrate all this as we light the Christ candle. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You got him, okay. <laughs> and uh, picking up from the previous uh, verses that we read earlier. 
And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Thank you, Judah. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And you, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on, peace, pe- and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right, let us go to God. Gracious Father, I thank you for the gift of the Messiah, a gift that brought us the gift of grace, of faith, and of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We praise you for your plan set forth before the foundations of the world to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things in earth. Jesus, we thank you for not only bearing the shame of taking on humanity, but the shame of the cross, where you took on the sin of, our peop- of your people. The wrath of God towards hostile humanity poured out not on us, Uh, who did the deeds, but upon you, our creator, upon you who gives mercy upon mercy, upon you that if given the chance, we in our unsaved state would have spat in your face. Also that we who were your enemies would instead be called brothers and sisters and heirs with you. Oh, thank you for the cross. Amen. could not preach without the Christ candle. So thank you, Zach and Emily. And aren't children a blessing from the Lord? You know, we just, we look at them and uh, that's, that's humanity, right? And that's what the Lord God entered into. What a blessing it is to take part in the Advent. Uh, we take that seriously every year because it means something for our Lord to come to this earth, which is what we're celebrating with the Advent. So, this morning, uh, Elena, my daughter, sends me uh, a song. She said, this is such a great song for Christmas. It's actually the song that we did at Timothy and Hannah's wedding, but it's How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Have you ever stopped to think about what a great song that is? How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son, there's the gift, to save a wretch like us and make us his treasure. What words? Another verse says, How deep the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. And then our response, How could I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. What a song. How beautiful it is to think about songs that bring God glory during this time of year. 
Here's what we know. It was songs that reverberated throughout Judah when Christ was born, the Messiah. It is okay to sing fun Christmas songs. I get that. You probably had some today and yesterday. And we like to tune in to the local radio station at Christmas time and listen to fun Christmas songs. However, they were not the songs being sung at the end of history. Because you understand that the beginning of the last days was when Christ came to earth. So in, in essence, we're dealing with the end of history. And it began on what we celebrate as Christmas Eve. So it was the pregnant Virgin Mary who visits her older pregnant cousin Elizabeth in Judah. And as she enters the room, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And she cries out with a loud voice. Now, the things I'm reading, you may argue, is poetic. And it is. But it's also, as most scholars would see it in the grammar and in tradition, they were songs as well. And she says with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold... When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. That's a moving scene, isn't it? But that's not all. Then Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. What a moving scene. It's poetry, sure, but possibly even sung. And she continues on, And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. As Mary was in that room with Elizabeth that day, songs of praise certainly filled the air. Later, after John is born, old Zacharias has an opportunity to dig himself out of the pit of unbelief. Y'all remember him? Y'all awake at Christmas? Because of his response to the birth of John the Baptist coming from uh, another elderly person, his wife, uh, he does, he's, he's sitting in unbelief. But he's got a chance to dig himself out of it. And what does he do? He prophesies. And it is placed in poetic form in the scripture. Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit and says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. On the very night when our Lord Jesus was born, an angelic choir appears. We've already heard the scriptures, right? Just listen again. They were instructed a little later in the text to follow the star, go to the manger. But again, listen to 10, verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is accompanied, the announcement is accompanied by an angelic choir. Really, the shepherds got a private performance, right? 
Just think of this, the lowest of the low in social status. It would be the finest symphony and choir you could ever imagine going to a group of homeless people under a bridge and singing. That's what you have in this text. Songs of praise celebrated the birth of the King of Glory. Even as the Lord Jesus Christ is presented in the temple, Simeon, with what could have no doubt been a song, he says, you are releasing your bond servant to depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Some two and a half decades later, as Paul, led by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing the book of Philippians and Timothy, he actually gives us two more songs. Do you know one of them? Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider his equality with the Father something to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation, and comes and coming in the form of a servant. And then, at the end, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. It's bracketed as a song. And here's one of my favorites. I didn't get to preach this at Christmas time, but here's another one. From Paul in 1 Timothy 3, 16. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh. Vindicated by the Spirit. Seen by angels. Proclaimed among the nations. Believed on in the world. And then taken up to glory. There's something about the incarnation. There's something about the eternal word of God becoming flesh. That evokes something within the soul. Do you agree? The truth and reality draw from us a sense of wonder and a sense of praise. The marvel of the virgin birth of the Son of God draws forth songs of praise from angels and from men. One of the best things I enjoy around Christmas season is to sing the Christmas hymns. Why? Because some of the finest, as David already said to us, some of the finest hymns ever written were written around that particular theme of the Advent of Christ. Let me give you a few words on some of my favorite ones. Rank on rank, the host of heaven. God of God, light of light, lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. Very God, begotten, not created. O come, let us adore Christ the Lord. How about this? Late in time. Now stop for a moment. My dearest on earth is my wife. But when I see late in time, I think about Natalie, right? Because we're getting ready. We're going somewhere, and she's uh, always the last one ready. Uh, late in, that's not what that means, okay? I mean, I like to use that song, late in time, and sing that to Natalie, right? But what it means is the fulfillment of time has come. Much like in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, Galatians 4. So when you hear that, late in time... Behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hell incarnate deity, pleased with man, with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Here's another one. Lo, within a manger lies he who built the starry skies. He who has, he who was enthroned in heights sublime, sits among the cherubim. Sacred infant all divine, what a tender love was thine, thus to come from highest bliss, bliss, down to a world like this. Just to think of these songs, the incarnation of the Son of God should elicit praise from our hearts. 
Why not sing about this? God has come to earth. God has come down with a down-to-earth kind of gospel, which is the most important thing we could ever imagine. Gavin Ortland says, The one in the manger is both swaddled tightly, yet filling the heavens, crying for comfort, yet sustaining the stars, sleeping among the donkeys, yet adored by angels. Come behold the wondrous mystery in the dawning of the king. He, the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. God becomes a man, ladies and gentlemen, without one millisecond ceasing to be God. This is the miracle. When we sing about this, we're singing about the beginning of the end of all things. When Christ was born in Bethlehem, it was the inauguration of the last days. God is in the mode of making all things new. This is the, the era we're living in. All glory be to Christ our King. All glory be to Christ. His rule and reign will, we will ever sing. All glory be to Christ. When on that day the great I am, the faithful and the true, the Lamb who was for sinners slain is making all things new. Well, that was all introduction. Because why on Christmas morning should we not have a song in our hearts? And this is also the Lord's Day that we've come together where the 25th actually falls on Sunday every seven years, correct? So I'll see you again in seven years, right? On Sunday morning. But here is a simple Christmas message brought from those two texts. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto you a child is born. Unto you a son is given. And over in Luke 2. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want you to think about this. Now some of you received gifts this morning. And if you've got little ones and they see a large present, what's usually their response? What is that? Right? What is that present? And the second question, whose is it? Does it belong to me? Correct? So you kids with me? Big gift, greatest gift of all. And is it for me? So let's go into this thinking about those things that would draw forth the incredible praise to our God that we experience. Who is it? Or what is the gift? We might say that. What is the gift? And who is it for? Shepherds are captivated. Angels are praising God. Magi, two years later, will travel from the east. There's massive attention in the scripture given to this event, it's about God himself giving himself to us. It's a gift that should draw praise from angels and does. This gift should capture our hearts. It's a gift that Isaiah says, for unto us a son is given. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. Folks, that's the gift. Is it not? But before you move too quickly to the manger scene of the child born in Bethlehem, Think about Isaiah's words. Are y'all ready? He's not saying the same thing in both statements. Child born, son giving, given. He's actually saying two different things in those statements. The gift is the child born. Now think about this, folks. If you're sitting here today, you've all been born. That's a trademark of being a human being. 
Okay? He's a human being. He will be born into this world the same way that all human beings are born into this world. When we say virgin born, we really should say virginal conception. Right? Because it's a birth like every human being's ever been birthed. But the conception was of the Holy Spirit of God. But the one born is going to be remarkably different. He's born like every child, yet he will be born of a virgin, of course. And the virgin shall be with child. But check this out. Emmanuel, God with us. So the gift is a human child who is born. But the next line is he will be a son that is given. The gift is a child born but a son given. This is the son and the son is given. Being born and being given are different, folks. For God to give his son requires for God to send his son. And for God to send his son means that he preexisted. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. He was a child born, but he was before that the son that was actually given. The son that is given is sent into the world, not just born into the world. Do you ever stop to marvel at some of Christ Jesus' own statements regarding who he is? The cults out there claim that Jesus never claimed to be God. They never read their Bibles. Right? Jesus said this in John 8. Truly, truly, I tell you that before Abraham was, I am. There's actually seven I am statements in John that build the theological sway and process and trajectory of the gospel of John. Or, as he says in John 17, listen how clear this is, folks. Father, restore the glory that was mine, which I had with you before the world began. I don't know what y'all think about that, but ordinary people like me and you don't talk like that. Are you listening? We're dealing with somebody remarkably different. The son who is given never had a beginning. He has always been the son. So in the fullness of time, God sends his son who has always been. So these two descriptions reveal that the gift is the divine yet human son of God. The eternal word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Skip down to verse 14. And the word was made flesh dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the wonder of the gift that is given. What is the gift? Is what we think about. We marvel at this. The eternal Son of God, who is God, who has always been God, and with God, becomes a human being in order, a human being, and is born into this world having been sent to us by the Father. B.B. Warfield once said, The glory of the incarnation is that it presents to our adoring gaze not a humanized God or a deified man, but a true God slash man. God man. One who is all that God is, and at the same time all that man is, yet without sin. So, one on whose almighty arm we can rest, and to those whom those human sympathy we can appeal. What is, the great, what is so great about this gift given? Well, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. In all his infinity, 
his uniqueness, his person. He is the eternal son given, but he's also a child born of the lowest birth. So we echo Charles Wesley's line once again, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Now why would God the Father give us the gift of his son? Why would he do this? It's simple in one sense, isn't it? The mission of the Son of God was unique. And it could only be accomplished by one who was truly God and truly man. Listen again to what the angel says in this text. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Hear the words. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. The gift needs to be both God and man because this gift is to be the Savior who is the Messiah, who is the Lord. The gift of the God-man is the, the gift of the God-man is that he would come into the world, don't, don't just bump over the words, but be our Savior. That's important to note. Only the God-man, Christ Jesus the Messiah, could be the mediator between a holy God and sinful people. Now, if I could backtrack and let you listen to the first three sermons up to this point, I would during the Advent, but just think where we've come from. The glory of the King, the King of glory of Isaiah 6, and then coming to this earth in hum humanity. Do you remember our thematic verse? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that for our sakes, or for though he was rich, he became poor, that for our sakes we might, through his poverty, become rich. We're dealing with the for our sake here. All right? If you're following with us, we're dealing with for our sakes. Or for our sake. Angel, just think of this, the glory of it. The angel tells Joseph a little later, you shall call his name Jesus. You know what that means? His name, transliterated, Yahweh saves. So we're drawing back to the old connotation that only Yahweh saves. And folks, Jesus Christ is Yahweh God. He's fully God. For he will save his people from their sins. Think of the Here's the gospel. Son saves sinners. Can't you share that with your brothers and sisters in the world or people in the world? Son saves sinners. You shall call his name Yahweh saves, for he will save his people from their sins. He was given to be our Savior. Only the God-man, Christ the Messiah, could be the mediator between holy God and sinful man. So as the God-man, so God his death has infinite value. It has infinite value to those, infinite benefit to those who actually believe the gospel. It would be this Christ Jesus, the Son of God. Who will be able to be equal party to both God and man. And we, we run back to Job 9. How can a man be righteous before God? Job says, if I washed myself with snow water, I couldn't come out clean. There's nothing I can do to contend with God in court. I need a daysman. And Job is begging for an arbiter. He's begging for a mediator. Why? Because Job knows he can't be in the court of God and be announced innocent or pronounced innocent without a mediator. He had to have one to lay his hand on God, one to lay his hand on humanity. Thus the Son of God who became man. I hope you understand this. Please remember this. 
Only those who know they are lost know that they need a Savior. Are you all listening today? Only those who know they are lost know that they need a Savior. That Savior, in order to save, must be both God and man. You know, it would be a tragedy to set up the nativity scene or a Christmas tree in your house year after year and even travel to church on Christmas Day yet never ask the question, why did God become a man? Is that not the most important question that we could ask or should ask at Christmas? Why did God become man? Ask yourselves, why was he given by the Father? In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Why? I pray that you understand that the most important thing for you this Christmas is to realize that the child born, who grew up to be a man, who makes his way to the cross and lays down his life for sinners, is the only hope for mankind's salvation. Period. Zach did a wonderful job adding to his prayer. Because you can't separate the cradle, the cross, and the crown. It's all connected together. He was truly born with the shadow of the cross over his cradle. That's why he came, folks. He came to die. He, he did not come to create a holiday, as we heard last week. He came, he was born to die for sinners. So, the gift given is the child that has been born. He's the Savior, Christ the Lord. He is Lord. He is the King. He's identified by Isaiah as Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, and Everlasting Father. In these words, Savior and Lord, that encapsulates everything we need. Savior and Lord. What is the gift? Well, it's the eternal Son of God who took on the name of Jesus, right? The Son of God existed before the name was given. You understand that, right? So he's the eternal Son of God given to us. As the only way mankind could ever be saved. So it's not about race. It's about grace. No matter who God saves in this world. There's only one way to be saved. And that's through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only the son of God. Only God himself could come to this earth. And take on humanity. And do what needed to be done in order for mankind to be saved. And, and think about other gigantic theological truths at this point. We have a God that is holy. That is so holy he cannot even look upon sin. Thus when Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree. The Bible says that he cried out. In following David's words in the Old Testament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because Jesus Christ was bearing your curse. The curse that you deserve for your sin. He became a curse for us. Moses said everyone lifted up on the tree. It's cursed. Fast forward to Galatians. Jesus Christ became a curse for you. Without that. Without turning the wrath of the Father away. Without covering. That's called expiating sin. There has to be a covering. Remember the Passover? When I see the blood I will pass over. There's two things working there. When I see the blood, uh, I will pass over. There's the covering that you had to have, but there's also the wrath of God that must be turned away. Please think about this during Christmas. No chance of salvation unless sin is covered and the wrath of God against, the, against mankind is turned away. And that's what Jesus Christ accomplished for us. So, 
what is the gift? I think we've tried to underscore that many, many times and put it in highlight, right? And here's the second thing. Who is the gift for? What attracts me to this passage is two little words. Did you hear those prepositions? For unto you a child is born. Unto you a son is given. And then over in Luke 2, which has been read a couple of times now, for unto us a son is given. Thus, that's the title of the sermon, a Christmas message. For unto you, for unto us. Think with me for a moment. This language is also, this language is as personal as it gets. Are y'all locked in? This language is as personal as it gets. Yes, he's the son of God for all eternity who pre-existed yet was given by the Father. But this gift is for you. It's personal. You know that grammar is very important. Martin Luther, the reformer, said the entire gospel is summed up in the little preposition and pronoun for me. What a statement. The child that was born was born for you. The son that was given was given for you. The savior of the world is for you. So what do you need to give in order to get the gift of the child born and the son given? You know what mankind's default setting is? I've got to do something to get it. Well, you'll never be saved then. If your attitude is I've got to do something and work for something to get it. Let me remind you, Paul makes this unequivocally clear. By the works of the law will no man ever be justified. What does justified mean? Right with God. By the works of the law, there's not a single work you could ever do to make yourself right with God. So, what do you need in order to get the gift of the child born and the son given? The answer is absolutely nothing. We gave some gifts yesterday to our family. A few days before that, because you know how things work, if you get something you have to put together... Dado's down in the basement putting things together. So Nathan has a basketball goal out in the yard that's been there for a long time. And he hangs on it and Austin hangs on it. And everybody in the community hangs on it that comes over there. So he needed another one. But I did not get the basketball goal and give it to him and say, Now, Nathan, what you going to give me? Now, some of you goofballs might have done that for Christmas, right? To your kids. Now, I've given you this. What you going to give me? No, that's not the way it works with a gift. Listen to this. The God of the universe, the maker of the ends of the earth, has said, I have a gift for you. And here's how you get it. You believe. You repent and you believe. It's that simple. The gift in its accomplishment was never simple. But your belief is something that comes as a gift of God, of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to receive that gift. There's nothing you can exchange for it. It's freely given and freely received. As many as received him, to them he granted the right to become children of God, even to those who believe upon his name. You're not saved by communion. You're not saved by mass. You're not saved by sacraments. You're saved by Jesus only. Again, the gospel is simple math. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. 
That's the gospel. And he didn't come to earth because Americans are pretty good people. We're all sinners. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is for you. Here's the good news of Christmas. Jesus Christ is for us. Jesus Christ is for you. The only prerequisite there is for you to know him and to have him and to receive all the benefits is simply to know that you need him and that you must have him. Now, folks, let's let's think about this seriously. If you're saved today, what happened to you? You all of a sudden found yourself, unbeknownst to you, in the valley of decision. And it wasn't maybe simply that I could use him to get through life as a crutch. It was that I must have him. Amen? There's there's lots of disciples said, where else can we go? Once Once your eyes are open, the veil is removed, and you see your sin for what it is. Woe is me, for I am undone. When you see yourself like that, or when God knocks you off your horse like he did Paul and puts you squarely on your back, and you're blinded for three days. Hope that doesn't happen to you, but it could. And God says, why have you been persecuting me? And you get off the ground, and the rest of your life is service to the king. Folks, that's what happens when grace transforms a life. Right? When grace transforms a life, everything changes. And when you receive him, all the songs make sense. All the singing, Simeon and Anna, and Zacharias, and the angels who have never been nor never will be redeemed like you. How they looked in on the God of eternity who would come down from heaven. And all they could do was sing, right? They're singing because he changes everything. For sure, for sure your world will not turn all rosy. No matter what the health and wealth gurus in the world say. No matter what the hair dudes say on TV. When you trust Christ, it doesn't mean you're going to be wealthy, healthy. and There's never going to be, in the life of a true believer, a grab it, a blab it and grab it. A sneeze it and seize it. That's not what the Bible teaches. Now, these heretics will teach you health and wealth. Okay? But there's no promise in the Word of God that when you trust Christ, it's going to be all rosy. As a matter of fact, you'll feel like you're going through hell sideways sometimes. And that's the reality of those who know the Lord. But my friends, oh, how life looks different when you have the living hope of Christ in your heart. The lenses that you look at the world with are forever changed. People that you look at, brothers and sisters in the Lord, the community of faith, altogether different when you look through the eyes of a changed life through Christ. So when there is a song of praise in your heart, then the Lord God causes everything to change. So come, although you have nothing, come, he is the offering. Come see what your God has done. Christ is born, Christ is born, Christ is born for you. Come then to him who lies in the manger with joyful shepherds proclaim him as Lord. Let not the promised son remain a stranger in reverent worship. Make Christ your adored. Eternal life is theirs who would receive him. With grace and peace there lives he. 
grace and peace their lives he will adorn. Fall on your knees and receive the gift of heaven. I would remind you all that of this promise today. For God in this manner loved the world. That he gave his only unique son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There's a danger that every one of us faces in this room today. Do you hear it in John 3.16? Not to believe and trust Christ is to perish. That is the danger. Please hear that clearly. Will not perish. That's the danger. But look at the love of God addressing that danger. All right? It's the design of love. In this manner, God loved the world. It's not that the world was so good or so big. It's that the Son of God would come into this world. Why? Because he came into his own and his own received him not. It's that he would love the world at all or the people in the world. Correct? That's the design of love. What's our duty? It's a duty that whoever believes there's a danger without Christ you're going to perish. There's a design of love that God so loved. There's a duty that whoever believes, but then there's an awesome destiny. You'll not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that good? Right there wrapped up for us in the gospel. The Bible also says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Simple Christmas message. What is the gift? And is it for me? If you believe, it is. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the simplicity of for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. Thank you for the simplicity of for unto us a child is born today in the city of David who is Christ the Lord, our Savior. Lord, there should be a song in our hearts. We should join with, uh, with the scriptural responses that we see to praise you, Lord, for your love for us is deep, that you would save a wretch like us and make us your treasure. Lord, that the wounds that you took upon Calvary would be wounds that would ransom our souls. Lord, we thank you for the gift of eternal life. We thank you for your deep love for us. If there's someone under the sound of my voice that is lost, Lord God, and we categorize people in one of two ways, saved or lost. There's no in-between. There's no neutral. The Bible says you're either of your father the devil or we're of our eternal Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. No in-between. Lord, I pray that for those who would identify themselves as lost, not knowing the Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help them see their need for a Savior. The magnitude of their sinfulness before you. Only you can do that through your word. Preachers are limited. We are heralds of the truth. But your spirit and word change lives. Lord, may you open eyes and hearts to receive. Lord, you've got the ability to speak to a full valley of dead bones. 
and bring them to life. And that's what you did in our dead spirits. We were spiritless, and your spirit imparted life. Lord, you can do that this morning, and we pray that you would. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's join and stand and sing our hymn of invitation. We've been singing this all December. Humbly to the world you came, born to create a super holiday? No. Born into this world to save. Let's say it together. Humbly to the earth you came, born into this world to save. God with us in remind you something. We're going to sing one more verse. Can you put the third person pronoun, my, in front of Savior? Is he your Savior? You understand that a faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first. I've buried a lot of people lately. And it's inevitable for all of us. Job says, for in my flesh... I shall see God. He's my redeemer. Job says that. My, my redeemer lives. Amen. And we forget that part. He did die. But there's no salvation if he doesn't live. A dead savior can't save anyone. Right? He's alive. And not only do you believe in him now, but your life has changed now. And you live differently all the way to the end. And your hope is constant in the Lord. Do you have that hope in your savior today? Let's sing one more verse. Humbly to the earth you came, born into this world to save. God with us in Power to save, but your 
Hallelujah. Merry Christmas. Amen. Appreciate each one of you. Natalie and I are eternally grateful. Now, you'll give me a card sometimes, and it ends up on my desk. And then I take them home to Natalie a month later. All right? <laughs> Forgive me when I do that. My office has been a mess for a while. Now, I'm going to clean that thing up first of the year. But if I forget to tell you thank you, just hear it from Natalie and I. We appreciate our church family. And you've showered us with gifts that we don't deserve, and we are grateful. Amen. Just appreciate each one of you. Pray for us. We leave today to travel to uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Believe it or not, I've got another wedding to do. All right? So that will be on Tuesday uh, to dear family, friends of ours, uh, friends of our family. So pray for us as we travel. And uh, pray for the, uh, Nathan as he's home and the boys are looking after him. <laughs> Timothy said no, he's not. All right. The granny will look after him. All right? Yeah, with something like that. Well, God bless you all and have a wonderful holiday and uh, Christmas and the holidays after. To God be the glory. A couple of quick announcements before we uh, sing Silent Night together. Um, if you gave in memory or in honor of somebody, uh, Poinsettia, did I say it right? I, I never, a red flower. Uh, please, please bring, take one home. Take them all home. We'll help you get one down up there if you need to. Uh, so those can be taken home today. And God bless you for giving to our missionaries. Our church goal was 30,000. Uh, we are up to 36,000. And praise the Lord. So if you want to continue to give, you may. Uh, but we've met our goal. God bless you for being so faithful. Silent night. Merry Christmas.